Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer. For years to come, try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's show. It's Wild Ginger Running live broadcast here. And today we have Christian Morgan, ultra running coach and record holder for the Southwest Coast Path FKT. Um, and also, really interestingly, he managed to beat Scott Jurek's record on the Appalachian Trail a few years ago. It's not the actual record, which, which I got confused about, uh, but he beat Scott Jurek's record, which, which was uh, an amazing record record at the time so that's just incredible um, and he's just back from cycling across France and Spain aren't you Christian so how are you doing today yeah I'm good I mean I'm still now in Spain the weather's nice uh, close to the beach so I've been swimming every day uh, yeah it's nice I'm, I'm really well thank you yeah cool so are you still actually doing the cycle ride now you haven't finished it yet no, no, I got to my destination. Yeah, I'm just chilling out in, in Denia for a while. I don't know if you've heard of it, but yeah, um, so I'm just taking some time out and uh, just uh, relaxing. Awesome. Well, yeah. I'm sure that one of the questions coming up will be what's next for you. So we'll hear about your next exciting plans. But first of all, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about how you even got into running in the first place, because obviously you're an ultra running coach now. You've achieved these amazing FKTs. How did it all start for you? So I used to do some amateur boxing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and so as part of the uh, training for boxing is a little bit of running. And, and about that time, I saw the advertisement um, in my local paper where, where I was uh, living at the time. Uh, I was actually born there, Wolverhampton. Mm. And this is back in 2000. And so it was for the Wolverhampton Marathon. So I thought, wow, let's you know, that sounds fun. Let's do that. And that was my first marathon. And then that obviously over the 22 years progressed into the Appalachian Trail. And then there's everything in between. But it was the advertisement in the paper of a marathon, no experience, no real training, except for my boxing fitness. And that's how I that's how I got into like marathon and, and more and ultra running. Wow, I feel like you skipped a big part there, just like going from a marathon to, yeah, and then I just did the AT. <laughs> yeah, um, everything in between as well, yeah. 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 I mean, it was a journey. It was a, it was a long journey. I, I think in 2015, I'd run 50 marathons. Wow. Which over, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess, what is the average 3.5 a year or something? And then I saw these guys with a 100 marathon running club t-shirt on. Oh, yeah. And I thought, I really would uh, love to join that club. So over the remainder of 15 and 16, I ran a further 50 marathons and ultra marathons, you know, whereas I'd done the previous in 15 years. And uh, yeah, I joined the club at the end of 16. And it was the Wolverhampton Marathon was my 100th. Oh, and I won it that day as well. So that was cool. Wow. And it was also EB. So oh. it's so cool to have this triple, these triple goals, you know, yeah. on that. So it was a great. So that's that, that was the 100 Marathon Club. And the, wow. Yeah, it was good fun. 
Oh, that's brilliant. And so you went from there. So obviously you got into running in a big way. Did you still keep up with the boxing during that? Or was uh, did the running just I, come No, I, I didn't. Front? I had like, I had one amateur fight. I lost it. Um, <laughs> I think I did. You know, it was pretty brutal. Um, but I lasted the rounds and stuff. And uh, yeah, I think I just think my love was more towards the running. You know, I, I did the marathon. And I know boxing unearthed self-potential within me, but I think the running unearthed something extra, which the boxing didn't. So then I kind of went that running path. Yeah, you went that way instead. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. And it, um, I'll, I'll ask you about this when we're talking more about the FKTs, but it would just be interesting to know like what part of the boxing mentality that helped you through these really um, epic adventures. Because they, the, 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 the AT is epic, isn't it? It's like thousands and thousands of miles. It's like over 50 days of running, like a, a, over a marathon a day. Um, so just, just remind um, everybody that's listening. So which one did you go for first then? And uh, was it the Southwest Coast Pass or the Appalachian Trail? Which one did you decide to, to go for? So actually, um, my history with the Appalachian Trail started in 2018. So the current record holder is a, a, a fellow named Carol Sabe. And I met him back in 2016 in the desert doing Marathon de Sables. He told me he was going to go ahead and run the PCT. And then I found out he actually set the PCT fastest known time, wow. with, which Timothy Olsen has just broken. Oh, and that's the Pacific Coast Trail, isn't it? That's Yeah, the Pacific like Crest, Pacific Crest Pacific Trail. Pacific Crest Trail, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So actually, uh, my first interest <laughs> in FKTs was the uh, Appalachian Trail. And, and, and I, I had like an unsuccessful attempt in nine. So I helped set the record by running with Carol for one third of his attempt. So I gained a lot of experience and um, and, and, and then I had a, my own unsuccessful attempt in 19. I couldn't go there in 20 because of the pandemic. So I stayed at home in the UK and I looked, I thought, what's similar to the Appalachian Trail? And obviously it's Britain's longest national trail, you know. 630 miles along a rugged coastal trail path. So I went for that. Damien Hall was the current record holder. And I thought, yeah, I think I can beat that. I know Damien's a good runner, but I had a strong belief in myself as um, able to do well. And yeah, I did, I broke the record there. So actually in 2020, so actually the Appalachian Trail came first and the, the Southwest Coast Path was almost a stepping stone for my AT adventures. Yeah, and yeah. I see that you interview a lot of people about the Appalachian, Appalachian Trail, don't you? you? You're constantly interviewing them for your podcast, um, yeah. which is really, really interesting. It's it's such an amazing route, isn't it? I didn't really know anything yeah. about it until um, Nikki Kimball, she did an attempt on it, didn't she? Oh no, that was the long trail. The oh, long trail. I think she different. said that. I think, unless I forget, there's a documentary as well. Yeah, yeah, she did. Yeah. Sorry, that's a completely different thing. But my interest in these really, really long American trails came first from her. Then I found oh. out about the Appalachian Trail from Scott Jurek's attempt and um, his book North, which is all about it. Um, have yeah. you ever thought about writing a book about your experiences? Yeah, I will be writing a book. Um, I still. I mean, we can talk about more what I'll be doing, I guess, afterwards, but I still have some projects next year, uh, which we can talk about, which will yeah. involve the book. So the book's not ready yet. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I have a lot of experience in my life and the material to put into the book, but next year we'll hopefully, you know, conclude and then I can sit down and write. So. Amazing. Okay, right. We'll cover that at the end. So anybody yeah, yeah. keep listening, everybody. We're going to reveal uh, the next stage in Christian Morgan's ultra running career. At I, the actually end ha I actually have a copy of Scott. <gasps> yeah. Oh, fantastic. I've read it three. I'm on my third read now. <laughs> really good but it's amazing I love how Jenny Durek has a chapter like every at the end of every chapter yeah. like there's hers because I just think it's so important to acknowledge the crew in these situations yeah. as well I mean you helped Carol Sabez with his and he yeah. could not have done that without you so you're every bit a part of that record as he is to be honest isn't aren't you yeah I mean I, I without going down a rabbit hole yeah just to add to that definitely because one of the things that builds my confidence and my self-esteem is Carol has the record but I'm the person who spent the most time with Carol during that record. So I'm the, I have the, I've, I've the most insight, you know, so that we, we, we really bonded. It was a great experience. Yeah. yeah. You're like his wingman, you're his running wingman. <laughs> I've yeah, just yeah. noticed you've done something to your finger. What have you done to your finger? 
I actually fractured this in um, in Maine on the Appalachian Trail. Oh no! Yeah, I fell um, and I fractured it, and because I was still, I still had to go through Maine I, and go through Mahusik Notch. I had to like, there's an area where you almost have to climb over boulders. It's called uh, Mahusik Notch. It's the toughest mile on the Appalachian Trail. So I couldn't do anything about my finger until I got back, and uh, then. They, they taped it up at the hospital. I saw the fracture and I just, it was really limited. You know, like I couldn't do anything. So I took off the, the binding of the two fingers and, and then I saw some sense and I just bought this. So this yeah. will help it heal. Yeah, just he heal it in the right direction <laughs> at yeah. least. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, that's, um, that's really um, good to know that you're getting that sorted. Um, so I've got loads of questions from our listeners here today. Um, so I just uh, want to start with one from Conleth Berry, um, who is one of my patrons. Basically, if you're a patron of Wild Ginger Running, you get to ask all these amazing experts on my channel all the questions that you want. So the first one is from patron Conleth, and he says, my question is why, in big capital letters with two exclamation marks, I'm always curious about the mindset and the mind games of top class runners. These feats of endurance, like the AT and the Southwest Coast Path, are not easy, but I understand for some it's just business, like as a coach and author competitor, but I'm curious about how and why they push themselves that hard. So yeah, why the why why the AT and why the Southwest Coast Path? You, you um, so yeah, I think you enter the unknown, like I mean mentally and physically, and it and it's an adventure. You know, I mean the Appalachian Trail FKTs, the Southwest Coast Path, are a vehicle to take me to what I what I've never experienced before in my life, and that's the unknown, and um, it's. I guess it's um, it appeals to me. It really does. Like uh, I, I, you know, everyone can live a life where they have a routine or they have um, a schedule, and and you know they go on holiday. They know what to expect, or you know. Um, but I really like to enter the. I like to enter the unknown world physically and mentally, and by doing using these um, adventures as vehicles, like um, I'm able to entered this area and uh, so I use ultra running almost as a vehicle to explore my mental and physical capabilities mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a personal thing and that's me I mean everyone has their own reasons I guess you gotta know? have a hobby <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's my hobby yeah. yeah oh that's fantastic um so just feel for people who don't know just how far the Appalachian Trail is and the sheer, sheer mag magnitude of the task can you just tell us a little bit about how far it is the terrain and like how many miles per day that you have to do to to get anywhere near the record yeah, so, um, okay, so the length of the Appalachian Trail is 2,194 miles. Wow. Record, yeah, that's a, that's a long way. It's a 2,000-mile ultra run, you know? Wow. Um, then, okay, then you need to take into the account the elevation. Um, and the elevation is, I think, 465,000 uh, feet, 1,000 wow. feet, half yeah. a million feet Gosh. of elevation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, which boils down to if you're going to uh, have a go at the record, like you're averaging, so the, the, the average, the record is 53 and a half miles a day or 53 miles a day. That's what Carol ran. Yeah. And he, that's his average. Wow. And he also averaged about 11,600 feet <sighs> or 4,000 meters a day. Wow. Um, How many days? In elevation. Is that? Like, yeah, forty. His his record is forty-one days, seven hours, and thirty-nine minutes. Yeah. Wow, forty-one days. So forty-one so days of doing over fifty miles a day with tons of ascent. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then and then you said the terrain. What's the terrain like? Yeah. So you're in between the because you're traveling through fourteen American states, and you're going from the south right the way up to the north. Accents change, <laughs> cultures change, weather changes, and terrain changes as well. So it can be a beautiful groomed uh, pine needle trail where you can look ahead and not look down. And then, for example, Maine is just in between trees, um, the trail is, and those roots of the trees obviously form the trail. 
So wow. it's just roots, tree roots. I mean, it's hard to hike it yeah. and it breaks a lot of hikers. Yeah. So, so, so it has extreme terrain changes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it sounds incredible. It sounds like an amazing, amazing journey, and one mm. one that you'd want to savor, like <laughs> yeah, rather than trying to run really fast. But it, it, there must be a certain beauty in in pushing yourself as far as you can on it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I try to look at the trail from all aspects. So as you said, I did my interviews, you know, with um, through hikers, record setters. Uh, people who are artists of the Appalachian Trail. I hiked myself last year 500 miles. I hiked as a through, the through. Well, you're not a through hiker unless you hike yeah. the whole thing. But I joined the through hiker for the remaining 500 miles. Yeah. So I mean, I I, I do savor it, you know, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But that was business. That was like, okay, I really <laughs> want to have a look at this record and see if I can do it. So that. That's kind of a different thing. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that you want to try and beat Carol's record um, in the future? Or is, it, is, is your love affair with the AT kind of drawing to a conclusion? Is there other things that you'd want to do differently? Or are you still um, really fixated but, on the goal of the AT? There's loads of things I want to do. Like I want to write a book, you know, about all these experiences. But yeah, so you've alluded to. And yes, next year I'm going to go back <gasps> to the Appalachian Trail. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to go back. Um, there's, there's at the moment, there's like uh, Carl Meltzer. Do you know Carl yes, Meltzer? Yes, I do. Yeah, I, I met him at the Coastal Challenge in Costa Rica. So, yeah, he's, I, he's a great Okay, bloke. so yeah. if we can get the funding, Carl's interested in crewing me for this. Cool. Um, yeah, along with, um, have you, do you know who Bells is? Did you ever watch that? Um, made to be broken Red Bull documentary about uh, Carl Meltzer? Yes, I think I did. And is he like a crazy guy? Um, he's the guy with the big black beard yeah. and he's kind of just bringing the energy yeah. and he's fun. Like and, he's a bit yeah. mad, but like everyone, he's just love, brilliant. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, Carl Meltzer and Bells, um, uh, like I said, if the funding's there, we're, we're speaking with potential sponsors for this, yeah. are interested in, uh, but it'll be a southbound attempt. Okay. I won't be going north, it'll be south. Oh, okay. So I'll, I'll start at Katahdin and I'll go south yeah and it's all downhill if you go south isn't it <laughs> <laughs> all the way to uh springer yeah. yeah so that brings us on really nicely to the next question that i've got because you must be training quite hard for this now like um, when when would you do an attempt would it be in the spring summer kind of time i would aim if if i do it without carl Meltzer, i start june 1st and if i do it with carl he has his speed goat race at the end of july so i'd start in early august okay um, yeah, so training hasn't started yet. Okay. I'm still in recovery mode. Okay, right now. still in recovery, yeah. still having cycled a long way. Cycling's good recovery anyway, isn't it? <laughs> Cycling was recovery, yeah. 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 Uh, so Andrew's got some got a great question here. He said, um, "What did the training look like before attempting something like that?" So he's got he's got three questions, but we'll start with that one. <laughs> yeah, training. I I got to say. You know, it's it's 22 years of endurance, you know, um, th that's what brought me to this stage. Uh, but if you're talking about specific training uh, for the Appalachian Trail, I was living in Thailand this year and because uh, I do my online coaching, you know, so I can live in beautiful places. Wow. And um, <laughs> it's fun. And uh, so there's, I was up north Thailand in the mountains, you know, I'm eating beautiful tropical uh, food, uh, so I'm putting good nutrition into my body. Uh, and then I'd like go out into the mountains with a bag full of rice. Like you get these like little um, rice things rolled up in banana leaf and you can get different like uh, black bean rice uh, and, and, and so on. And so I would take a bag of rice with me, just head off into the mountains. And I think I would do some, my biggest days were like maybe, I think maybe, like a six hour run or an eight hour run, two, two of them back to back, you know, two uh, six hour, eight hour runs back to back in the mountains. And uh, the mountains are really rugged. So, you know, you're gaining a lot of elevation and it's kind of similar to the Appalachian Trail. So specifically this year, my training was uh, in the mountains in North Thailand, eating really good food um, and then also taking good time to embrace the recovery. So a lot of massage because it was affordable oh, yeah. um, 
Yeah, I mean, massage over there for me was five pounds oh. for an hour and a half. Oh, lovely. I love a time yeah. massage. They bend you yeah. in all sorts of funny directions, don't they? I had one once. Yeah, and just remember, just to say bow bow, it means softly, softly. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you're going to be in some serious pain. <laughs> They're going to stand on you. <laughs> they do. They do stand on you, yeah. Yeah. And so, so yeah. do you take, um, like, a track of your, like, weekly mileage or your weekly vert or, some, or anything totally. like that? Totally. It's all, it's all on uh, Strava. So yeah. this, this year I've gained, um, I think, almost a million feet elevation. Mm. In, 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 and I've run 3,500 miles. Wow. And I've typically for the past, so um, six years, I've run an average of three to three and a half thousand miles each year. Wow. Yeah. And the elevation has been probably from 2018 onwards. Wow. Yeah. So you can't, I wouldn't say that you could do like a proper like nine till six desk job and complete something like this like you have to devote your life to running don't you to you your yeah. running comes first and then your job fits around the running like would yeah. you say that's true of this type of adventure yeah I running don't... comes first yeah. and my job is running as well yeah. so you know with the online coaching so it really fits together really nicely mm. uh for me yeah you uh, could be thinking well. about like oh what shall i say to that client like you could be thinking all of that like take maybe like make some voice notes in your phone as you go like oh yeah i should say yeah. this to them this is what they need then come back and just write them an email and do the training plans i had a french uh, coaching client who just finished his first 100 miler uh, utmb in uh, nice france wow so congratulations to um him uh, olivier and he asked me one day a question and i was just actually on the trail experiencing what he was asking so it was really cool because yeah. i was like okay so earlier i explained and i shared my experience with him so it's good to not just teach from a, a book or like theory it's good to teach from experience so yeah but i think having a full-time job would be tough you'd have to either get up really early or just use the weekends yeah yeah like I, I mean like with i'm not saying you don't work full time but i mean like a one of those jobs where you have to sit at a certain place go to a certain place from certain hours like yeah. it seems like you need a flexible a flexible job um, so that sounds like great for you but i also think where there's a will there's a way and if someone run commutes to work and run commutes home um and then on the weekend does some long runs uh, yeah i think it would be possible yeah yeah yeah. yeah, I think it's possible for anyone. Where if you want something and you desire it enough in life, you will find a way. And in fact, when I was on the Appalachian Trail, where there is a will, there is a way. Um, and at times, I lost my will, you yeah. know. And that's a really tough place to be. I mean, Scott Jurek talks about it. And when you lose your will, it almost feels like depression. Like, that, what can you do? How can you achieve this? But then the will comes back, and yeah. so it's. It, yeah, keeping on holding on to my will during the AT was really tough. Yeah, you know? push you to the limits of your mental abilities, and that and that's what you were there to do as well. That's what I was there to yeah. do. And the, un the unknown. It's yeah. really interesting that you've started talking about that. We've naturally led onto this because actually Andrew's next question was: Were there many days where, like, um, due to a, a niggle or an injury, that you couldn't do as many miles as you needed, and then like, did you have to make them up the following days? So I suppose the same goes for the like lack of mojo as well. No, like yeah, sure, one hundred percent. So coming down into Damascus, which is where um, Virginia ends and Tennessee starts, it's a great trail town for the Appalachian Trail. They have trail days there once a year. It's a big party, big festival, and so coming into Damascus. You also have a long, long, long uh, decline of elevation. So you're running downhill for what felt like three hours or something, you know. Um, and my quad started to get a little bit warm on the left side. And uh, by the time I was at the bottom, I could feel it had really heated up. So I took some ice. And then so for the following two days, I had to make a mental decision. I was like, well, Scott Jurek got through a quad injury and if he can do it i can do it so it is possible so i took inspiration from scott and i thought okay he hiked let's hike let's see what happens so for the following two days i hiked 100 miles wow. um, with the elevation 24,000 feet and um yeah i only i i was ahead of record by i think it was either eight or 12 miles by then and then i came back down to on par with the record after 
my quad healed and I was able to start running again. Wow, it's amazing that your quad healed whilst you were still in action. <laughs> I know. Most people uh, would take a few days off, but you can't really afford to if you're going for the record, can you? No, I mean, if you if you come off the trail, it's over. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and um, and uh, Andrew's final question here is that um, what do you what did you do at the end of each day of running on the AT to recover for the next day of running? Like, was there certain foods that you ate? Did you have like did you take a Thai person with you to massage you? I wish. Yeah, that, <laughs> you should have had a massage in the crew. My massage guy is a guy called Lit, yeah. and he works in this temple. It's a beautiful setting. Wow, you should have brought him you know, for crewing. <laughs> I wish I could have, you know, but. <laughs> That may have been complicated. So <laughs> I relied on, um, so when I got in, obviously you want your hot meal prepared by the crew. You know, I have two crew, uh, gun section and Iceman. And these are my guys with a car each, you know, and they have trail names because that's what you do on the Appalachian Trail. By the way, my trail name was Captain. Captain, so, Captain Morgan. Yeah, yeah Captain Morgan, cool. but shortened to Captain. It was pretty, because the drink, you know, Captain Morgan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, did I you didn't drink, drink a lot that. during the trail? No, I, didn't, I didn't drink that. No, no. I had one beer on the 80. Yeah, what, so, yeah, yeah. My to answer the question though, that recovery was um, the meal, the hot meal, sit down, uh, wash my feet. The feet needed to be washed, and the crew usually did that. Gun section did that. Um, and then go to bed. I mean, that was it. That's all I had time for. Sat down, eat while my feet were being washed, and go to bed. That, that the, the sleep is your ultimate recovery. Yeah. So th th that was it. There was, I mean, sometimes uh, there was a little bit of massage on the feet because the feet became really sore. Uh, but, uh, and I use CBD oil from, uh, I have like a sponsor, Bud and Tender mm -hmm. from the UK. And I had like a drop of CBD oil. I had a rooftop tent that I slept in. So I had a really nice area um, and sleep. Sleep yeah. was the big recovery for me. Yeah. Oh, and so efficiency. Yeah. yeah. And the CBD oil, you have a drop, you eat, you ingest that. It's not like for massage on the feet. No, I just put it under my tongue and just uh, go to sleep with uh, this taste. And then eventually, you you know, you, you, you can't help but like swallow. We do it every minute, but you try and leave it for 90 seconds, I think. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, and I felt, I mean, I felt tired anyway, you know, so I'm going to sleep, but I just, I don't know. It kind of works for me. So yeah. I like. Do you do, do you take? Because I've got some in a drawer. Um, I I got sent it while I was pregnant, so I was like, oh, yeah. possibly shouldn't like try anything yeah, new at this not. point. Um, but I've just remembered that it's still there in the drawer, and I was just wondering, do you still take it? Like, do you take it every day? Or do you think it helps? CBD I had oil? my bottle. I just finished it the other day, so I was taking it while I was cycling. It lasted um, after a little bit the AT, uh, but I've run out now. So uh, there's no kind of um, THC in there so there's no fuzzy brain or getting high or anything like that I think it just helps relax you uh but yeah um I've run out now so I don't have any yeah, yeah. I'll have to censor for some more yeah yeah it'd just be interesting because there's not loads of studies done into the CBD oil yet is there but there's lots of supposed to be really good for sports people yeah that's what they say so yeah I thought I'd try it and it didn't have any adverse effects so didn't yeah bother. yeah Oh, that's cool. Um, and then I just wanted to ask you a, a few questions about um, how you felt on the finish um, of the Appalachian Trail. Um, like what went through your mind as you knew that you'd beaten Scott Jurek's record, which is obviously like a, quite a, a, a big deal because he's a, a really, really famous athlete, isn't he? Legendary. Yeah. How did that yeah. make you feel? Well, like we were going up Katahdin. There was three of us. There was uh, Fishboy, who was one of my... Um, he joined the crew later on. Um, he's the son of uh, Maniac, who, who also went after the record in 1991 against David Horton. Um, he was a hiker. David Horton was a runner. So anyway, also David Horton actually joins me as well. I don't know if you know who David is, but he, David Horton's pretty much one of the greatest American ultra runners. He's 72 years old. Wow. And he came up Katahdin with me and he was telling me about when he was with Scott Jurek and Speed Goat because he was involved and he also held the record on the Appalachian Trail himself wow. and the Pacific Crest Trail. So for me, it, like it was a shared experience. I didn't really feel it was so much about me. Cool. Um, I slowed down significantly because he's 72 and I thought, okay, so I'm going to 
take, I'm going to be the second fastest in the world. I'm two days ahead of Scott Jurek. I don't mind if I slow down for a couple of hours now. And let's just savor this time with uh, Fishboy and uh, David Horton and just kind of talk to the hikers. So it, it became more about us than me, I think, at that point. And, and, but there was a little part of me that kind of, um, so my time was 44 days, four hours, and I think, oh, I forget, that, that's embarrassing. <laughs> 44 days, four hours, four I think minutes. 50, 54 minutes. <laughs> All the so fours, if I would have nearly. got up there 10 minutes faster, it would have been 44 days, four hours, and 44 minutes. Oh, you should have been so like, oh, bye, of... David, sorry. <laughs> I'll come David, back for you. <laughs> And, and I, did, I did kind of wish, actually, at some point, I just had some time to reflect by myself. And because at that point, I was the second fastest in the world, I thought, Christian, you learn by your experiences. And if you like when you come back next year, just because, I, you know, I thought maybe if I come back next year, then I can take that time for myself and just maybe sit for an hour or two and just reflect and kind of soak up what just happened, you know. So it was a great, it was a wonderful time, yeah. shared experience. It sounds amazing. And um, I see there's, um, there's a notice board, isn't there, at Catered Inn? Um, there's like a wooden board and you That's see it. pictures of people at the end and like sometimes there's crowds there and, and it's just a really, yeah, it's a really iconic picture. Um, I'm yeah. intrigued, does David Horton have a trail name then for the AT? Because everybody else is like Fishboy, Beaniac, Gunslinger, <laughs> Captain. Well, gun section, David... gun section. Gun section. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Everyone says that gun section. Yeah, gun section. Okay, I'm going to write that down in case but I need to talk oh. about that again. But do you know what David Horton's name was, or is he just too legendary to even have a trail name? Yeah, I think it was the runner. Actually. The runner. Oh, yeah. Because he was yeah. like one of the first people that were actually running rather than hiking the AT. Yeah, correct. He was the he was the first guy to go and run the Appalachian Trail. I yeah. think it was fifty. He did it fifty one days or something. Wow, so. it's just incredible. And then the times has been like knocked down and knocked down. And Carol doing it in forty one days, it's yeah. just incredible. Um, yeah. And so, um, is he going to come and help you on your southbound attempt then? David or, um, or Carol? Uh, Carol as well. Like, will he be part of the team? Do you think? as well as Carl's pretty busy uh, okay. you know like um we, we were close on the Appalachian Trail uh, he came out to London to he was visiting London and he contacted me and we went for a run together uh but we we haven't had a whole lot of interaction really uh so and I think when I first announced to him at the end of at the start of 2019 I'd be going for my own attempt against the record uh he said I really wish you a wonderful summer but um, I won't be able to help because I've got other obligations. So it's never really been in my mind to ask Carol for his level of support that I gave him. Yeah. Um, I, I've kind of looked more towards other people in the community in America because he also, he lives in Belgium. Oh, you know? yeah. So, it's a, so, yeah, a major I mean, undertaking. But, but just to speak for Carol's, um, uh, what's to say, uh, uh, his great characteristic is that when I was on the Appalachian Trail, I think 41 days and seven hours arrived while I was out there. And that was his record time. Wow. And I left him a voice message oh. and I congratulated him. And I said, listen, it was amazing being part of your journey. And he sent me such a long message back. Oh. And, I, and I still have that. And, you know, it just meant so much to me that he was on board with me. Um, I'm sure he was pleased I didn't break his record, <laughs> but he made it go down one day. Yeah. But yeah, it just felt a lot to me. I felt a great connection there. But as for asking Carol to come out, he's got a lot to do. You know, I, I have my paces and my own people. Yeah, yeah. your own crew. Yeah. It, there is a bit of a tradition, isn't there, of people who have broken the record, like either popping in to say hi and do the last bit with people or just helping the whole crew. Because I like I didn't. Um, Scott, I'm, I'm sure Scott helped out with the, the next part. I'm sure Carl helped Scott and then Scott helped Carl break it the next year. Both. Or, yeah, what, that, what, that's it. And it? David Horton was there for yeah. both those guys' attempts. You know, uh, it's it's like an AT family. Yeah. You know, it yeah. really is. Uh, and I think just like Carol's all the way in Belgium, I'm sure if he was in America, he would have popped onto the trail. Yeah, to exactly. To say, oh, yeah. run a couple of miles. I mean, and, and the cool thing was actually the, the trail passes the backyard or the yard of Andrew Thompson. Now, Andrew Thompson is the guy who went to break David Horton's record. Ah. Um, and his trail name is either AT 
or trail dog. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, it was cool because last year when I was hiking, I went again because I hiked past his house. I went in and we drank beers all night, <laughs> hung out. I mean, yeah, and he was an AT record holder. He did set the record eventually. I think Jen Farr Davis broke Andrew Thompson's record. So, that you know, there's this kind of like this, this group of people who have done it. And it feels pretty sweet to be part of that group, yeah, actually. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm just yeah. thinking, just like all these people, they're all guys. I'm just wondering if you know anything about the women's record on the AT. Like, do, yeah. is there many Jen, women? Oh, I just type? mentioned her, Jennifer Davis. Oh, that's so Jennifer. Oh, I thought you Jen, said Glenn. <laughs> Jennifer. No, no, Jennifer broke uh, oh, wow. Andrew Thompson's record. And yeah. she only hiked. She was a hiker. Wow. Cool. Whereas Andrew was a runner, and her record stands today. Oh, brilliant! Uh, I believe it. I, I forget the date. I believe it's. I believe it's many years old. It's I think a decade old or more. Do I forget? Yeah. I, on my website, I've got this page called Appalachian Trail, and all the record holders. I've put them all up there, and yeah. she's on there. Oh, so, brilliant! So it's yeah. kind of time for the ladies to try again at the eighty, because it sounds like that record, ten years old or something like that, would be right for the taking. They're trying. Yeah. I mean, Liz Anjos. Uh, you know, tried uh, in 2020, um, and she she, uh, she was unsuccessful. You know, she didn't achieve what she did, but she finished the trail. Yeah. And she was crewed by someone called Warren Doyle, who's. So yeah, I mean, also just a quick side note. Back to my preparation for the Appalachian Trail. I went to Warren Doyle's folk Appalachian Trail folk school, mm-hmm. and I learned all about the psychological aspects of the and the emotional aspects of the Appalachian Trail, mm-hmm. less the physical. Oh, wow. So I was educated that way as well. Oh, right. Um, so tell us And Warren crewed Liz Anjos in 2019. And when they fell off pace, they had to readjust and think, well, what can we shoot for? So she shoot to beat David Horton's record. Oh, so she cool. 51 days. Yeah. So yeah, I think Still we should very get some- impressive. Just to complete yeah. it is really impressive. So, the hike to hike it, you know, if you finish the 80 and you're a through hiker and it takes you 364 days, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So people can be on that trail for a year, can they? I, th- I think a through hike is to finish it in one calendar year. Wow. Yeah. You w- I don't think there's any through hikers to do that long because Katahdin gets snowfall and it closes uh-huh. at a certain time of year. Maybe it's October or September. Yeah. I so you'd want to yeah. do like. 20, 30 miles a day. That's that's a lot, isn't it? And if you're hiking, you're presumably carrying loads more as well. So that makes yeah. it even harder. Yeah, no crew for the hikers. Yeah, taking you know, tent, I food, mean, refilling yeah. at various places. Yeah. Gosh, it does. Like, I've watched that film Wild where she hikes the PCT. Yeah. Um, and that just looked amazing. Um, but I, I just thought, oh, that'd be amazing. But then I thought I'd probably get a bit bored of walking after about two weeks. <laughs> yeah, you really. <laughs> again, I think that's the journey that I said what in invites me to the trail is the unknown so these guys you know last year i was with these guys the through hikers i went all the way from new, uh the end of new hampshire i believe it was no the start of new hampshire a t- town called hanover in fact bill bryson oh, yeah. who wrote a walk in the woods lived in new hampshire oh. so it's a great college town and i started there and i hiked with the through hikers and i became part of this group called the dirty bubble and um <laughs> and we all got covid so it was oh. really you know it was, uh, you know, it was cool. It was in the hundred mile wilderness. Like there's, there's this thing called in Maine, the hundred mile wilderness where there's no road crossings. Wow. So you have to carry supplies, uh, for like, uh, it usually takes hikers about seven to nine days wow. to get through there. So yeah, I mean, your pack at that point is heavy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these through hikers who was, I was spending time with, I got to absorb, absorb their experiences. And, um, yeah, they're definitely, you've got to push through the mundane. Mm. You really do. Yeah. 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 Maybe a solar panel and an iPod <laughs> on shuffle. <laughs> yeah. A thousand audio books. Yeah. Know. A thousand audio books. Yeah. Your podcast. Uh, my yeah. podcast. Listening to Christian Morgan on the podcast. Um, yeah. But tell us a bit more about the, the, the school for the psychology. That sounds amazing. Yeah. The Appalachian Trail Folk School was founded by Warren Doyle. Uh, and Warren Doyle is a 72-year-old um, man who lives in Tennessee, and he's hiked through hikes the Appalachian Trail and sectioned hikes the Appalachian Trail 18 times. Wow! So that's more than anyone else currently in history. Wow. So he knows more about the trail than anyone else in the world. Yeah, yeah. It was a five-day course, 
I'd just done a training week with Iceman and Warren. Warren crewed me for a week, uh, as did Iceman. Mm -hmm. And we pushed out, I don't know, I, I forget the distance. We pushed out the same distance Carol did in one week, wow. Carol Sabay, to give me the confidence. And then after that, he said, hey, do you want to just come? I've got a folk school on now, it's five days. So I, ha I hung out with the potential through hikers for five days. And we, Warren speaks about everything to do with what's going to happen in your mind mm -hmm. you know um he doesn't so much go he doesn't even talk about equipment he's pretty old school but every kind of emotional um road crossing you're going to get to he, he kind of uh, talks about his own experiences and how to overcome that and wow. so on so that for me was interesting and educational and i like warren as well yeah. i'm close with him so it really worked well for me as a student and so what takeaways did you get from that? Uh, like, did you use any of it on your, um, your attempt? Your, well, your, your best achievement. Yeah. 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 I see, I see, I see everything that I study about the Appalachian trail as something which will help me get to the finish in the fastest time that I can. And I mean, there were many things, you know, I, I think, I mean, if I could pick like one thing, it'd be hard. I'd have to think. I mean, Warren talks so much for hours and hours every day and you're absorbing all this. So to pick one thing out is kind of tough. It's eluding me at the moment. But I think overall, just to listen to someone speak who is a folk legend, mm -hmm. but living folk legend and be in his presence and I absorbed his stories and attentively listened to him, I think helped me on the Appalachian Trail. So it's not a piece of advice, but it was just soaking up Warren Doyle's knowledge yeah. in that way. Like a, yeah. a little part of him was then in you and on the yeah. trail and experiencing the trail. Forever. Um, that's yeah. a really yeah. nice way of thinking about it. Um, yeah. Well, back to the practical now, because we've got another question um, sure, here. Cool. Uh, we've got some training questions here, just like general training questions now, which, yeah. which are probably applicable to the AT, but also just in general long distance running and ultras. Um, Dave Pollard, um, he would like to know, like, do you use anything to stop chafing or can you recommend anything that anybody has told you about to stop chafing happening? Because um, he gets chafing. Um, on his uh, thighs, I, I think. I, oh, in between his thighs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need material between the thighs. Um, and also, if you're a male runner, it's probably best to wear some kind of underwear. So I reached out to a company called Runderwear, and uh, I think they're a UK-based company. Yeah. And they um, supplied me some Runderwear for my attempts on the Appalachian Trail. Awesome. And so that just kept everything in place when you're running as a male. I mean, women wear sports bras, you know, and so on. So men wear some underwear, it helps. And then I think um, just if, if it, it depends on if it's raining, then you probably want to wear some kind of bicycle shorts mm -hmm. so you don't have loose material. Yeah. But then if it's dry and the material's kind of dry and it still sits in between your thighs where your thighs touch, um, the, the underwear holding everything in place and then the 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 shorts just being in between the thighs i think the thighs will only skin only chafes when it's against itself mm -hmm. so if you can put a layer in between the chafing then i think that will actually prevent it yeah so i, I don't like this approach of putting some kind of nut butter on or something or some kind of lubricant because that's that's not preventing the problem that that's kind of trying to ease the problem but i think if you try to prevent the chafing um, I think that's the better route yeah. as a coach. That's what I would, you know, tell my clients. Yeah, I, I pointed him in the direction of those shorts you can get, which are like cycling shorts, but then like a short around them. Like, I think they call them twin shorts. Twin shorts, yeah. yeah I'm that's actually wearing a pair just now. <laughs> yeah, they're really good. Same thing for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then he, Dave wants to know how you manage to fit in training runs and actual runs around family life because he feels guilty going for a long run on a Sunday. So I'm, I'm guessing he's got kids and a, and a wife or a partner. Um, so, yeah, what would your advice be on that? Well, I mean, I don't have, like, I'm not married and I don't have children, you know. So it's hard for me to actually speak to that. But if I could give some kind of advice, I would say 
allowing your partner to have time for themselves is really important for a healthy relationship. And I think if both partners have carved out some time for themselves, you know, um, then it depends what they want to choose to do within that time. Maybe that could be, who asked the question, did you say his name is? Dave. Dave, Dave may find that if he, him and his wife both carve out some time for themselves, he can then fill that time with things that he wants to do. And I think that's important in a healthy relationship. Um, and also I think it's um, great for the children because a lot of these ultra running families have children and, and then the children grow up in this like out, like I don't, they probably spend more time with nature. They're probably outdoors more. They probably see their parents more happy. Mm. So I think that would be my advice as a non-parent, but I mean, that's the best I can do. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's really great advice. I think if you're both having your time, then you won't feel guilty because um, it's a lot. It's kind of like scheduled then, isn't it? So I think that's a really it great Yeah, It can't be one sided. You might, if you want to go out for a two hour training run on a Sunday, I think at some point you need to give back and say, hey, why don't you go and take two hours and spend it with your friends and do what you want to do or, or whatever? Yeah. yeah, I think it needs that. You need that balance. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's a really great answer, especially as it doesn't apply to you. So that's really good. <laughs> Very thoughtful. Um, and then um, Tina Benton has a great question here. Um, she wants to know about preparing for her first 100 miler um, sure. mentally and physically because okay. she wants to do one next year. She says she's done a few 50s, but she says the jump from the 50 to the 100 just seems really huge. Um, yeah. So, yeah, what advice would you give to Tina for her first 100 miler? Okay, so I think it's important to take advice from people who have achieved what you want to achieve. So if you take any, if you read any literature or if you watch any podcast or YouTube or, or take advice from a person, just make sure that that person has achieved what you want to achieve because they'll be experienced and qualified to give you that advice. So first of all, just make sure your advice is coming from a good source. Um, and then the jump from 50, do you say 50 miles to 100 miles? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is the 100K distance. Uh, but me, I actually went from 50 to 100. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it depends on a lot of things. Like there's 100 miles on a track, which take uh, 10 hours for the faster guys. Um, and then there's 100 miles in the mountain that take 20 hours for the fastest guys so it depends what the um type of runner run, 100 mile is mm -hmm. then what i would say is make sure your training leading up to the 100 mile distance is specific to that terrain and that environment mm -hmm. so you're replicating what you're going to experience um and then just uh, also just be prepared that it's the unknown yeah you know you're not going to figure it out but when you're out there during in the 100 mile and you're at mile 70, that's when you're going to start to figure things out. So have confidence in yourself as well. What about if it really hurts? Like, do you, you must have experienced a lot of kind of pain management. pains. Yeah. What's your pain management strategy? Yeah. Um, so adjust. I think that's the best advice. Uh, so on the Appalachian Trail, as I said, I was coming into Damascus. I realized I couldn't run anymore, but I could hike. So I hiked and two days later, the pain went away. With a hundred miler, you may have a pain that lasts maybe not two days, you know? <laughs> you may have something that lasts a bit less, yeah. but just adjust, yeah. you know, make an adjustment. I mean, adjust yeah. and move forward and maybe yeah. poles like if you're going to be hiking like maybe poles is a good idea if it's mountainous i believe yeah because uh, uh, the poles are good for going up and going down um and then if it's flat it's fun to get into the rhythm with poles so it doesn't need to be mountainous i guess uh yeah poles are just fun because you can break out the poles and say okay i'm gonna hike for a bit so that's another good way to do it as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, well, good luck, Tina, with your 100 miler. I'm sure that you'll do really well. But also, I've just suddenly thought, um, it is a big jump, isn't it, 50 to 100 miles? Um, but yeah. 100K is only like 65 miles. So maybe like a person could enter a 100 miler thinking, right, well, ideally I get to the end. But if I get to 80 miles and DNF, then that's still a great achievement. And then the following 100 miler, you could get to the 100 miler. So don't. I, I, I would say maybe don't be scared 
scared of a DNF, just see see how you go. Like, what do you think about that kind of attitude? It's called trial and error, and it's proven throughout history as uh, humankind on the planet that that's probably one of the best approaches. You know, trial and error, and then you make a you know an adjustment and you change what the error was, and you improve, and you don't have those problems again. Yeah. That's great advice, yeah. actually. Yeah, so just suck it and see. <laughs> yeah, just see yeah. what happens. Don't be afraid to DNF. Yeah, awesome. Oh, thanks very much, Christian. That's great. And we just got a final question. Um, I think we've got time for one final question from uh, from Scott. Um, so he he wants a bit of advice on speed, um, which sounds like just up your street. So he's, he's just done the London Marathon, virtual London Marathon, um, which yeah. he did in just under seven hours. Um, and because it was a bit hard to run it alone. Um, but he's been having his best, he's 51 years old now, and he's just been having his best 10K times for a few years. So he used to do like an hour and 15, hour and 20, but now he's back to an hour for his 10K times. Um, he says, I'm not overly worried about times, I love running, but I am intrigued as to why over the longer distances, I just don't seem to have any ability to get close to friends and club members who are in my age range. So, for yeah. example, he just got under seven hours for the London Marathon yesterday. Um, so he's doing like an hour for 10K. So seven hours for the marathon does seem like a, like a bit of a discrepancy between those times. Yeah. So yeah. Um, he, he sent this. This is part of a longer email. Um, but he yeah. said he, he does good sleep, good nutrition. He does a lot of gardening. He does some speed work as well. And so he's just wondering um what it is i've suggested that maybe he would try like a personal coach like like i suggested you um and there's various other people that he could obviously um choose from um but yeah what what kind of thing would you recommend do you get do you get this a lot from people that are okay at 10k and then just longer distances take them forever um do you have any yeah, so it's, it's quite it sounds like quite a unique uh, case actually um i think you, you need to be brutally honest with yourself and reassess everything, mm -hmm. you know, because there's a problem somewhere. Mm. And what it is, it's all about solving that problem. And sometimes you need to go back to what you think is okay and reassess it to maybe have a different take on it and say, actually, maybe what I thought was okay is the actual problem. So maybe take a whole, re, re, reassess everything once again, either alone or with a coach or with a loved one or something, maybe someone who's willing to listen. And, um, and then if you can't unearth what the problem is, um, then it's time to maybe try some new things that you haven't tried before. So I would take that approach. I would reassess everything. Um, I don't want to go into specifics exactly because there's so many things to do to get faster, but I'm trying to look at the bigger picture. And then once you've reassessed, hopefully he's found his problem. Um, and then if not, then start trying some new uh approaches and hopefully with those new approaches he'll get results yeah. but there's a saying by um einstein i think it's you can't solve the problem with the same mind that made it oh yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. if you keep doing the same thing and expecting difference then that's the definition of insanity yeah that's right yeah, yeah. exactly right. Yeah. yeah i yeah. personally think he would benefit from a bit of personal coaching because it sounds mm -hmm. like he's exhausted his resources and his knowledge base but i think yeah. that he could really benefit from somebody else coming in and going right let's try this type of training do that yeah. see how that goes and because coaches have like you'll have like the latest scientific knowledge you have all your experience experience of tons of other clients so yeah, I just think a coach would be the way forward for Scott. Okay, good luck, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Oh, well, it's been great chatting to you today, Christian. Um, so if anybody wants to find out more about, about you and your podcast on the Appalachian Trail and your coaching, um, where should they direct themselves and where can they follow you? Yeah, go to my website. It has all my social media. It has my email. It has my telephone number. It has all my podcasts. I mean, it has, I've, I've created an, a website that contains everything. So if you go there, then you find all my social media. And it's my name, which is spelled with a K, um, Christian. And then the word ultra without any hyphens or dots. So it's just Christian ultra dot com. I could think for a second. I was going to say at gmail.com, but that's not my website. Yeah, so my website's christianultra.com. 
and there you can find out more about what we've talked about. You can actually listen to podcasts with David Horton, uh, Scott Maniac, um, you know, like these legends and stuff. And then you can find out about me as well and reach out to me. Awesome. I've put a link in the film description or the podcast show notes below as well. Um, so you should be able to really easily find out more about Christian. And do you do, you do a lot on social media? So should people follow you on like Instagram or something to keep up with what yeah, you're doing? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's uh, I, I got pulled up for this the other month. And they're like, you don't even know your own Instagram. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it used to be the Christian Ultra, uh, you know, because that was easy because everything's Christian Ultra, Twitter, Facebook and website and stuff email but then i changed it to like I, I believe it's online running coach okay yeah or, or no no it's ultra running coach ultra sorry. running coach on instagram yeah, yeah on instagram okay. okay yeah you can follow me there and i mean yeah we haven't really spoke about it but i just cycled a thousand miles and finished about a week or so ago across uh, france and spain and every single day I, I wrote i sat down in my tent and i wrote an account of my experiences cool. So uh, there's a lot of a lot on Instagram is my main one. Yeah. OK, so follow you on Instagram. Um, and just quickly before you go, just remind us um, what you're going to be doing this coming year. Um, so either June or August, perhaps for that southbound AT. Yeah, I'll be going after the overall record southbound on the Appalachian Trail. My, I have three goals. Uh, my A goal is to break to be the only person no sorry not the only but the first person in history to break 40 days wow yeah yeah because the record's 41 days and seven hours wow and that's um quite close i believe in the percentage to 40 days so that's my a goal is to be the first person because someone will do it and i would like to be that the roger bannister of the appalachian trail wow. my second goal is to break the current record 41 days, seven hours, mm -hmm. belonging to my friend Carol. Mm -hmm. And then my third goal is to set a new southbound record, which is held by Carl Meltzer, wow. speed goat currently. And to do that, I have to run almost about two days slower than I did this year. Uh, so I, I believe that this is within reach for me, yeah. you know, so that's what my next year's project is. Okay, so the record that Carol has, is that a northbound one? That's a northbound record, yeah. But it's also southbound. the overall, it's also the overall. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so my, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you get the fastest time on the 18 north or south, okay. that's the fastest time. Okay. But if you're the second, I mean, Carl Meltzer is the southbound record holder. Mm -hmm. So there is a north and a south as well. Yeah. Is it easier to do one way than the other then? Or is it just completely like, yeah, it's the same? Well, I mean, I guess I think the, I mean, Scott Jurek was on the trail last year when I was, and he went for a southbound record supported by Carl Meltzer. Mm. And he had, he pulled off trail after six days, unfortunately, mm. with a quad injury. Um, him and Jenny, it was heartbreaking really, because, yeah. you know, they went out there and it was very short lived. Um, but the, the idea was he took on Carl's um, experience, Carl Meltzer's experience, that by going south, you cover the toughest um, states of Vermont, New Hampshire and Maine. And by going south, you do those first. Yeah. So the idea is when you're arriving on really tired legs, but that's kind of, you know, 1800 miles behind you and then you're in uh, Tennessee and Georgia, maybe the trail's a little bit easier for like polite to you not polite uh, <laughs> i know what you mean <laughs> yeah. so yeah i i would say strategically the guys going south think that's the way to do it mm -hmm. yeah. yeah oh well this is amazing um we'll all be following you now we're all going to follow you on instagram um and we wish you the best of luck for breaking the records and all your three goals um for 2023 yeah, uh, it's been yeah. Yeah, Claire, I just want to thank you. It's been so nice. We met in person a couple of years ago at Druids 2017. Oh, did we? I, was third, I love that I was third that year. You oh, interviewed me. Oh, and, did uh, I? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just I interviewed so many people, I completely... <laughs> I know, I mean, too, yeah, yeah. But it was just nice to catch up with you again. I really appreciate your time and, and, and all the listeners out there. Thanks for watching as well. Oh, thank you. You've been a really great guest, Christian. It's been absolutely a pleasure to chat to you. Um, and we wish you all the best um, on the AT in 2023. Thank you. Cool. Thank you, everybody. And I'll see you soon. Bye.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details